Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 21, Addicted to Love. Mary, what happened this week? Lucinda has a house, not an apartment. My bad. Anyway, Brandon is staying there and letting Lucinda tie his shoes and stuff. It's really weird. He goes to a task force task force party, finally, without a date, and it's a whole big thing, apparently. Also, Richland from The Condor is doing an article on Brandon, and he's made it his mission to prove Brandon isn't the original boy wonder. Good for him. Lucinda thinks nobody believes in her work, but Kelly does, and Kelly has a boyfriend with money who maybe wants to back a documentary. Brandon sees Dylan and Lucinda talking at the Peach Pit with Kelly and makes that face that he makes again. Andrea has second thoughts about letting Steve use her room. Steve promises to be good, and she she decides to let him use it. Steve meets R.A. Kathy, who tells him not to fuck this up for Andrea's sake, and Steve makes one good decision and does not let months bring beer to his dorm. Andrea won't give Richland any dirt on Brandon, but Steve will. He leads the nosy reporter right down the path to the scandal with Lucinda and Professor Randall, but luckily Deshaun won't say anything about the situation, and Lucinda and Brandon pretend not to know each other or be talking or something at the gym. Also, Lucinda suggests that Brandon get a fake girlfriend to take to events, and that might as well be Kelly, because she'd be good at it. Brandon asks Dylan if he can borrow Kelly. Men objectify Kelly for the rest of the night and compare her to a surfboard, a car, an escort, and an asset. Kelly rises above this, however, being amazing at going to parties and talking to important people. I do question her telling Brandon that he's a catch, though. Also, the way they kept looking at each other for the rest of the episode was gross. I'm so mad about it. <laughs> like, it, and by it, I mean it, all of it. Like, I, I'm i just tired of Brandon being the be-all, end-all and, like, not doing anything on screen to show us that he's earned it. Oh, yeah. I think that's something that I'm noticing that I never did before is that we're – this is the version of, like, I don't know. It, it, I'm trying to use the metaphor of, like, he looks good on paper, but there's actually no paper here. It's, like, people just <laughs> say he's good and expect us to believe it, but we don't actually see his, his like, um, credentials. You know what I mean? It's, like, we're just supposed to believe he's so good without any proof. Like, the only proof we have, I can't even think of any proof that we have. <laughs> He only cheated on a history test one time. <laughs> right? No, this is what I was thinking about because I just, like, leading up to this episode, I started thinking about all of the different clubs that Brandon has been in that, like, we see him try out for the basketball team or we see him say, like, oh, I used to be amazing at hockey. And then that's supposed to, like, stick in your head forever, mm-hmm. even though he never does those things ever again. Yeah. Which is, like, it's different from other shows. I'm sure other shows do this kind of stuff. But I think about, like, Dawson's Creek. Dawson wants to be a filmmaker. All he does is be a filmmaker. Like, mm-hmm. you can know that about Dawson. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're totally right there. It's like, 
so many other characters, good and bad, you at least like they're believable, right? Like you have the kind of like um, the evidence to back up why they are the way they are, or at least what they are. And I just feel like with Brandon, we're just like, yeah, we're just supposed to know, oh yeah, he's good without really ever actually experiencing any of this good. So it's just, I don't know. It's, it just almost seems like they lay it on too thick. Like it's too much. It's like, they're trying to convince us that he's so, so good. Why? What are you trying to cover up? And now I'm on team Josh Richland. Right? Like, that's what keeps happening to me. Because, I mean, you know, even at the very beginning of the episode, the whole thing with Lucinda at her house is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I I almost gagged. But, like, they have this whole, like, montage of things where he's in the shower and she is apparently not doing anything with her day. So she just comes into the bathroom to, like, give him a towel and make out with him there. And then push him on the bed after he's dressed and very seductively get down between his legs, at which point I was like, oh, my God, 90210, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, same. But then she goes to tie his shoes and then she goes to tie his tie and, like, all of this stuff. And I was like, why is she doing this for him? It was a very, like, um, what? It, what is not the Oedipus – is it the Oedipus Complex? Where the bo- the son like loves the mom or something like that, yes. or is it the opposite? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like very Oedipal the way that this was like portrayed. Because first of all, he's shorter than her, and I'm not trying to like be heightist. <laughs> I don't know the right <laughs> there, but like he's shorter than her, so he already looks that that like in and of itself makes him look a lot younger than her than he probably is supposed to look then she ties his shoes ties his hat like basically dresses him and he looks like a little boy and so it it was throwing me for a loop because I'm like this feels like mommy getting her baby ready for school like what is this (laughs) ew I know but but like for serious I did write in my notes tiny grandpa instead of Brandon (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah yeah I see it. And then, like, this whole thing (laughs) is him finally going to a task force thing. We finally get to see him go to a task force thing. Mm -hmm. But realistically, he's late to it because they have to do it again. Exactly. They have to, um, I really wish I could take you tonight and then take me now. I hate, it's so gross. I know. And then it, like, it continues because he gets to the dinner. Again, I'm convinced he's late because of everything. And, like, Mm -hmm. why would Brandon be on time? They'll just be like, oh, you were probably late because you were studying so hard. Right. But, like, apparently he started talking to a bunch of old ladies and is convinced that, like, they marked me. They knew, like, they they wanted me. (laughs) I did love that the one old lady was like, the only reason the students want the library open so late is so they can neck. Yeah. yeah. Use the word neck. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was weird, though, because, like, then the dean, like, walks right up to Brandon having the conversation with the old biddies and makes a joke, that weird joke about, like, the, you know, fraternization with 
other people there, I guess. But (laughs) and then shames him basically for not bringing a date. And this is like evidence number one of the dean just being obsessed with Brandon either having or not having a date. Truly, everyone is obsessed with Brandon. I don't know why we were shocked by this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because, like, yeah, I said the same thing. I was like, why is the dean coming to him being like, my assistant did call you personally to tell you you had a plus one? Right. Yeah, and 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 even then, like furthering into the scene, it's like we finally see Josh, who we haven't seen in a really long time since basically the beginning of the school year, and apparently Brandon is big news, quote unquote, around the Condor, and I literally wrote dot 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 why though. <laughs> I wrote they're doing a feature story on him about what? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's so unclear. It'd be one thing if this was, just to further your analogy of Dawson's Creek, it'd be one thing if they were going to do a feature on Dawson because he's going to be the next Spielberg, right? Because you believe that because he's got the movie posters. All he talks about is filmmaking. He makes a film to enter the film festival. Like, all of these things point to Dawson Leary wants to be Steven Spielberg. Brandon Walsh? Who the heck knows? what this guy wants to be he just wants to meet the president (laughs) we assume honestly like we keep saying that i don't know that brandon has ever said i want to meet the president that's i don't remember he's just he's just been told you get to meet the president (laughs) i feel like brandon hasn't ever expressed like wanting anything except money and paris and money for paris yeah Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we've said this before, Caitlin. I think you're the one that said that, like, Brandon doesn't usually come up with his own opinions. He gets told his opinions by other people. Yeah. Like, once somebody gets outraged by something, Brandon's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a- yeah, that sounds good. And then just goes, like, balls to the wall on that opinion. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think – I truly don't know that we've actually seen him do anything of his own doing. Yeah, like, I just really don't know. I could be totally forgetting something. It's been a long time, mm-hmm. but I just don't know. Well, and one thing too, like maybe this kind of goes back to why he has such a complex about money because like with Dylan, Dylan has the means to kind of make a difference, you know, because money can do that. And Brandon doesn't, so maybe he hasn't really found something that he's super passionate about and therefore feels like he can take full ownership of it. Because he feels like he needs money to do it or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I really don't know. But like still at this dinner, you know, Josh tells Brandon that they're going to do a feature on him. <laughs> Actually, in my notes, my next thing I say is Josh doesn't believe that Brandon is perfect. And like, yeah, we know he hasn't done anything. Right. A hundred percent. He's like, like, I don't think you're so perfect. And I'm going to find out how or why or whatever. Yeah, like, it's like Josh is an insert of the audience. (laughs) Yeah, very true. We're just like, we need to understand what is Brandon. Mm -hmm. Because even, so like, you know, the next thing that happens with Brandon is we see him coming home from this dinner 
to the Walsh's house and Jim and Cindy are both like sitting in the front room, you know, minding their own business. Brandon comes home and they ask him, they're like, oh, how'd this dinner go? And he says, I think he said like the chancellor was really receptive of my idea of upgrading the status of undergraduate teaching. Yeah, something like that. Which is like a bunch of bullshit, right? Oh, yeah. It was gobbledygook that I glazed over twice now (laughs) when they said it in the show and when you just said it. (laughs) I had to write it down because I was like, oh, Brandon did something. And then I wrote it down and I read it back and I was like, I don't think this means anything. Well, and what you really like, the important takeaways for me in this scene is that they're starting to plant the seeds of people are going to find out the whole Lucinda stuff because before Brandon walks in the door, Jim and Cindy are like talking about, oh, what's Brandon doing? You know, it's it's awfully late, like blah, blah, blah. And then he comes through the door and talks about where he was. And then Cindy's like, oh, are you going to go out late again? And then Brandon makes up a lie. He's like, oh, yeah, probably just hang with Steve or something like that. So it's like they're planting the seeds of people starting to like recognize his behavior is a little bit different. Which, like, yeah, he, you know, says all this stuff to Cindy and then goes upstairs. And Brenda's even just like, I know you're seeing someone. Exactly. Yep. Which also, okay, with Brenda. So she's trying on these outfits to go to Palm Springs with Stuart. And we find out that she's still been wearing the engagement ring on her right hand. Uh Uh-huh. Has she been? I don't know. I never noticed and I didn't look back. I should have. She's like hasn't really been in the past few episodes. So That's true. There's like not much to look at when she is there. <laughs> true. I I was reading like one of the synopsis blogs and someone made a comment that it has been 11 episodes since Vegas. And I was oh. just like, why would you even bother bringing Stewart back? Wow. It's been quite a while. Every season of 90210, like, 30 episodes feels like a ride. It is literally – it takes us so long. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, by this point, we would be nearing season finale, like, of most shows. But we're we're still not that close. We're like a a back half of a season or, like, a back nine (laughs) still to go. Right? Like – we're still watching Jane the Virgin, and I was like, by episode 101, Jane is over. Right. Like, yeah, I'm watching. Juggling- I'm watching this show, The Hundred. Guess how many episodes it has? A hundred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay. This is what's crazy. Little side note: the show, The Hundred, has a hundred episodes, but it spans seven seasons. Every time, every time I turn on an episode, I'm like, we're still in episode four or season four. Mm-hmm. It's just, crazy. My mind is blown. TV it, has evolved. TV's wild, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then after we're kind of just like, again, planting those seeds about Brandon's behavior of, you know, being gone a lot, being late, being not around, things like that. After we get through that... Then we kind of go to Lucinda's class or her seminar talking basically about monogamy and polygamy and how women, like, back in the day, like, 
the only power that they had over men was through sex, but that they shouldn't be ashamed of it. I know we probably have a lot to say about that. <laughs> I, It's like I texted you guys that, like, I know this wasn't the intention of things, but I just have so many opinions about Lucinda that everything that comes out of her lesson plan, I have to prove wrong. Yeah. Like, I think it's one of those I, things, like, she comes off as really, really smart, right? Like, the way she talks, her confidence is extremely high. Like, she's very um, self-assured. So it, it's, it all sounds like it could be true. But then when you actually think about, like, and absorb what she's saying, it's like, hold on. Wait a minute. That's not wait, really? And should we be taking that? Should we should we be gleaning this from that or should we perhaps think differently? I don't You know what I mean? Like it's like hold on, I got to think. It's like those charismatic like preachers and stuff, like in religion. It's like, yeah, you want to believe them because they're so confident about it. But then when you actually think about what they have to say, you're like, well, that hmm sounds a little off. Right? Like you know, Later at the Peach Pit, she talks about how her film is the roles of women in tribal societies versus the roles of women in contemporary America. And then in her class, she's also talking about how women in polygamous cultures, like, don't have any power. And I was like, I feel like you're being a little reductive to these other cultures mm-hmm. by, like, saying they have to be, like, contemporary America, which I know is not anything that the writers of this show are going for and I'm just sitting here being like I have to prove you wrong I think it's so funny that like we get so wrapped into these shows that and and I can speak for me here but like sometimes I forget that there's like a whole team of writers like these aren't real people you know with real thoughts and stuff it's like the writers give the voice and give the th- they don't have time to think about and research all that like that much in depth it yeah just I'm bailing out the writers here <laughs> yeah I feel like um in that class specifically she's just like yeah he has a wife to cook and a wife to clean <laughs> but the wife who he shares his bed with that's the one who has the power. And that's like kind of just a little sort of metaphor for what's going on by the end with Brandon and Lucinda. How Lucinda's the one with the power telling Brandon to go do stuff with Kelly. She's like pulling his strings. And yeah, that's like, I feel like that's the only reason for that lesson at all. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like they're having her say things in order to make other things happen. Like her whole thing about how uh, women went West and they weren't allowed to have journals because that was seen as a waste of time. So they made quilts. And the whole point of her saying that was so that Andrea would be like, my grandmother makes, uh, uh," and then has to run out of the room. Right. (laughs) I totally get it. I, I totally get that I'm reading too much into it, but I even like, I went into it in my notes and then I was like, I guess I just hate Lucinda. I mean, it's fair. I'm also a little jealous of her, you know, like I'm like, man, I wish I was that confident. (laughs) Well, and it does sound interesting. I mean, when she's talking to Dylan at the Peach Pit and he's like, Kelly won't stop talking about you. She thinks you're a great teacher. You know, they talk about how Lucinda has actually, like, gone and been with tribes in South America. Like, this is fascinating. Yeah, for sure. It really is. But I I hate her. 
I don't want to watch 35 seconds of her tying Brandon's shoes. Yeah, yeah. I def- See, that's the thing. I don't really so much mind Lucinda on her own, but I really don't like Lucinda with Brandon. So, but again, that's maybe if, like, we're making Lucinda into a villain here, that's me, of course, liking a villain. So, naturally. <laughs> but, yeah. I just there- have a lot of feelings. Oh, yeah. No, so many feelings involved here. And, and it's true for the for the other people in her class. Like, Donna thinks she's extreme. Kelly thinks she's, you know, she's completely enamored by her. Um, you know? And so, it's, like, Brenda... Doesn't really seem to have a strong opinion one way or the other, but she seems to, like, at least go along for the ride kind of situation. Um, so, yeah, it, it is interesting. There's a lot. It's very polarizing, this class. Yeah. I I get the feeling that, you know, in especially these episodes, Brenda just kind of exists to remind people that she was engaged once. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're... They're in Lucinda's class and she's talking about like gifts and whatnot. And Brenda's just like, oh, yeah, this giant rock that my ex-fiance gave me that I'm still wearing. Like, we get it, Brenda. She's like the person who gets engaged and then only buys like the stuff off Etsy that says like engaged AF and like all that stuff. She doesn't which, have just, like, the one bride mug. She has a bride mug for every day of the week. Right. Which, no judgment, but, like, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Ex-future Mrs. Carson. Yeah. I, I swear to God, like, she is one of the people that would, like, accidentally write Brenda Walsh Carson on her papers and then cross out the Carson, but it was accidentally. <laughs> Oh, Brenda, I'm going to miss her when she's gone. I know. Like, as much as I hate Lucinda, I'm like, I really just love, like, drama and mess. And Mm -hmm. that's essentially what Lucinda is in this episode. Definitely. So you'd think I'd love her. Hey, you can't win them all. I mean... Yeah, because, like, at this point, Kelly goes back into the classroom after it's over to get Andrea's book that she forgot. And Lucinda, like, is all frustrated because she realized that she wasn't getting any funding for her documentary from this one organization. And Kelly's like, ooh, ears perk up. And she's like, oh, my God, you're making a film? And all of a sudden is like, want to go to my boyfriend's restaurant for a coffee? And Lucinda's like, sure. Okay. <laughs> I... I loved everything that Kelly was doing here. Just like, oh, you need money? Have I mentioned my boyfriend owns a restaurant? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Like, gosh, the more I think about everything that happens in this episode, the more I realize that just like, I think this was a good episode. I think I really like this episode. I think I did too. And now ever since Mary mentioned like basically like the metaphor for the like polygamous thing where the woman who like shares the bed has the most power. And now I'm realizing how much that's true throughout the entire episode. Like look at Kelly and Dylan, like Kelly just had to be like, let's go get coffee at my boyfriend's restaurant. And now apparently Dylan's funding a documentary. Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. And yeah. So she takes him to the peach pit where Nat and Dylan are going over the books I really love early 90s where the books are literally giant books. Yep. They're like Like, the grid paper or whatever. (laughs) 
I was loving it. I was like, this is literally like a giant check register. I bet they can like rip the checks out of it too. Definitely. I'm like, oh, I was loving it. But did you notice that, you know, Nat makes the comment how the Peach Pit ran good without him. Not well, good. Mm -hmm. But then Dylan makes the comment that it's Suzanne. He was like, yeah, Suzanne really knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. I was like, and Brandon. Oh, like I'm not usually one to stand up for Brandon, but I was like, now even Dylan's doing it where he's just like, oh, yeah, Brandon hasn't been running this place while you've been in the hospital, which to be fair, he hasn't really. But yeah, he's still like he's doing day to day things that wouldn't be considered because he's so busy. How does he have time? But I mean, like. He is the reason, Brandon, because of other people telling him to care about it, <laughs> is the reason that, like, Nat didn't get convinced to sell the place. No, you're totally like, right. Yeah. It's, it was just the thing. Like, Brandon is doing things, and he's been the one making snarky comments to Dylan of, like, well, I'm not involved. You're the one that owns the place. Mm -hmm. And now Dylan's even like, yeah, Brandon's not involved. Suzanne's over here. True. True. Like, it, it, I have no idea if it means anything, but it felt like another one of those little, like, foreshadowing things that they're, like, they're mentioning Suzanne is doing things without us really, like, seeing it mm. and, like, slowly creating a bigger divide between Brandon and Dylan. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this whole, yeah, the whole last, like, three episodes or so have been kind of widening that divide. Um, and also making them like prioritize different things. So like kind of how we talked last episode about them, just, they're not really friends who don't acknowledge they're not really friends. And it's like, we're starting to see the things that maybe they once did together are they're getting further apart. And now there's actual things that's getting in there in the way of their friendship too, like actual problems. Yeah. Like it's, it's not just Brandon being salty about Dylan with the peach pit thing. It's even like, whether or not Dylan's doing it purposely, like, he is excluding Brandon, and Brandon would have cause to be upset about it. Yep, exactly. And then, you know, Luc Lucinda comes in. Dylan goes to talk to Kelly and Lucinda about, you know, her uh, research and whatever. I don't care. Dylan is excited about philanthropy. But then Brandon and Steve come in. And for some reason, Nat is just like, who's that hot lady with Dylan? Yeah. Like, I've never really heard Nat objectify a woman before. <laughs> I was just like, it's it was another one of those times where Nat just like has to be here mm -hmm. contractually. True. Very true. Because like Brandon could literally have just been like going to order and turn to the side to be like, hey, Nat, we're ready when you are and seen her. Like, yeah. Nat didn't need speaking lines in this episode. Very true. But of course, like, because of Nat being there and, like, Brandon and Steve are there, Steve makes a comment about Dylan having deep pockets, and this causes Brandon to angrily shut his menu. And did you guys notice that he has scruff here? which I forgot to mention earlier, that was another thing that listened to was like, oh, I don't like it when you're clean shaven. I like you to have a little scruff. 
Okay, so I noticed her like beard for your beard comment later, mm-hmm. which is when I had to like squint at my iPad screen and be like, does he actually have scruff? Yeah. So in the peach fit scene, he totally does because I I just noticed his face was like a little darker. So I was like, oh my God, boy is whipped. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. Yep. Oh my God, Brandon. I mean, she, she really does hold the power. She so does. Can I just say though, like that time when you are growing facial hair, it is so fucking pointy and <laughs> like making out with that would just literally hurt. True. So Lucinda is dumb. That's all I have to say about <laughs> that. She likes a little bit of pain. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Apparently her. she likes a rash on her face from getting <laughs> stubble poked in you. <laughs> oh, oh my God. That makes when he goes to her office later so much weirder. Very true. She's going to like walk out of the office later and be like, yeah, that was a great talk about the uh, task force. And everyone's going to be like, is your face bleeding? (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. But I mean, I guess this is a perfect time as any to bring Steve into the story Mm -hmm. because – uh, Steve is still working on moving into Andrea's dorm. And like when Kelly went back to the classroom to get Andrea's books for her so that she didn't have to walk up the stairs, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Steve shows up and he's talking to Andrea and is like, you know, hey, we're still on for this, right? I get to move into your place. And like this is another one of those times where like, you know, like how we know Dawson likes film, we know Steve is a fuck up. Because we've seen Steve mess up before. Yep. And we know that Andrea is a stickler for rules and process. Yeah. And so she's literally just like, I don't know. I don't want you partying. I don't want all this stuff happening. And then we find out that, like, she's told the RA that this is going to happen. And the RA is, like, on her side with her. hmm But while Brandon is at the Peach Pit with Steve – Andrea is in her dorm room packing up so that Steve can move into her place and she can move in with Jesse. And Josh is there and it's super weird. Super weird. Like Andrea is in this like almost hard eyes, love struck, love potion kind of yeah. trance. She is like dreamy, which is funny because the first thing she says is that he's decent. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but if anybody calls me decent, I don't know that I take it as a compliment. (laughs) Right? Like, you're a little bit offended. Yeah. It's like, wait, how close am I to not decent? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, how how did she say decent? Yeah. But, like, yeah, she calls him decent, but then she calls him a bunch of other really nice things, and Josh makes it super weird. And is basically like, man, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you were carrying his baby. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, this is about the point, and they talk about it a little bit, where I remembered that Andrea was going to join the Condor, but Josh is horrible, and, like, he is legitimately the reason she didn't do it. Right, exactly. 
like this guy made her change her major. I mean, he's such a garbage person. You know, I really thought for a second that Andrea was going to do the Paris Geller and like major in pre-med and pre-law. <laughs> Where with her it was going to be like pre-med and journalism, but we don't have been get so it. good. I know. Would have been so good. But yeah, then Steve walks in. And of course, Steve is just a fountain of information because he's part of him is so naive and he's just making conversation, wants to tell stories. And he brings up, you know, the time that he was in trouble, which the the time he's referring to is the time that he was in trouble with the Keg Brothers and, and breaking into Randall's office and how Brandon helped him out. Which I'm just thinking about this now. I didn't think about this before. It's a little weird how openly Steve is talking to, you know, quote unquote, the press, Mm -hmm. having grown up with a famous mother and like tabloids. Like there was that whole episode about the tabloids. That's true. Because of um, Beth. No, Beth. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. I don't remember what the TV show was, but like he knows that this stuff goes south really fast. So it's a little weird that they had him do this. But, I mean, I guess it goes back to, like, if there's one thing Steve does, it's mess up. Yeah, that and he's a little too easily trusting um, of other people. Not that he should necessarily be on high alert with Josh, but, like, if he knows Josh is doing a story about Brandon, he should probably, like, Talk about the good th- and yeah, like he again. He was probably just being naive and thinking like, "Oh, this was a time when my really good buddy Brandon helped me out," not knowing that there's dirt to be found and Josh is like look specifically trying to find dirt. Yeah, I mean, like Steve doesn't know about Lucinda, right? Like nobody knows about mm-hmm. Lucinda, but I feel like Steve probably knows that. The way that he got out of trouble was because Brandon blackmailed a professor. Right. Like, that's the that's the part that gets me. Because, like, Josh has literally no trouble figuring out what's happening. Exactly. The, ne- the next thing you see is he's grilling Deshaun and being like, Professor Randolph refused to talk to me, but I know that Brandon tutors you and he tutored you in Randall's class so like you have to know what happened mm-hmm. and Deshaun which give us more Deshaun <laughs> I know I love this guy um but Deshaun is like for some reason very loyal to Brandon and is basically just like saying that he doesn't know anything um you know he's just kind of taken up for Brandon in that scenario and in which case Brandon shows up to the gym and then talks to Deshaun, and Deshaun's basically just like, yo, that dude has it in for you. You need to watch your back, especially with her, and refers to Lucinda. Who, like, literally walks past. And this is probably the only time that the two of them have done really well at, like, not being super obvious. Very true. Because literally, like, Deshaun knows because he saw it with his own eyes. Mm-hmm. And then Josh is, like, even making comments about Professor Randall and Lucinda getting divorced. Like, he's getting there. Oh, yeah. It's not like it's not right in front of everyone. Yeah, he's got the Lincoln logs. He just needs to make the cabin. (laughs) I like that. 
thing. I like that a lot. I forget where I heard it, but I heard it probably a TV show, let's be real. And probably something like Gilmore Girls, but it may have been Gilmore Girls. I don't know. I'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, despite warnings and, like, knowing that this guy has it out for him, Brandon goes to Lucinda's office after this. Mm -hmm. And again, super weird. Really hated it. Like, he pretends to be there on task force business. And when they close the door, Lucinda says, good boy. Ugh. I don't like it. I know. It's it's like it's the Oedipal complex. Like she is his mother. That's that's what I'm saying. Like it it's all very like patronizing, not in a condescending way, but in a literal like I am parenting you here. Oh my gosh. This is like okay, we're bringing it back to the little like gargoyle thing with the camera and the <laughs> eyes. Brandon is part of the documentary. She is taking what she has learned that like sex is a power that women can use and she is literally using it on Brandon. Mm -hmm. I don't know what she gets out of it other than like research, I guess. But I mean, proof, I guess, evidence, right? Like here's an example in today's world. Crazy. I, I'm on board with this. I love this because like literally everything she says, she told him to grow the beard. He Mm -hmm. grew the beard and then she, or starts to grow the beard rather. And then she says in this scene that he needs to find a beard, a beard to go with his beard and tells him that it should be Kelly. And he goes and does it. Yep. He, she literally tells him exactly what to do, but not in a demanding kind of way and not in a threatening way in a very soft like this is gonna make our situation better this is gonna make me more attracted to you like all of these ways that like she presents these things for him to do are in a way that like quote-unquote improves their relationship so he's like yeah that makes sense I'm gonna do it yeah and like you know at the risk of you know making it really gross and weird like, she tells him to do these things, and he's like, okay, yeah, what, you know, like, going along with it. And then she rewards him with sex. Because realistically, they do it on her table now, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what it's, just happened with other people outside. Like, I think, like, Freud would have a field day with this. Like, this is a classic, I mean, like, like, conditioning like psychology, like Kelly should recognize this. <laughs> She's <laughs> learned about classic con- classic conditioning and operant condi- conditioning at this point. Oh my gosh. I really hope that's what happens. Like I hope that Lucinda keeps doing this to Brandon. Eventually Josh catches Brandon because it's not like anyone is truly hiding anything from him. Mm-hmm. But then Kelly realizes that, oh, you're not having an affair She's using you. Right, right, right. Like, oh, I really hope that's what happens. Especially because the next thing we see is, like Mary said, Brandon going to Dylan's to essentially ask permission to take Kelly to this thing. And, like, 
She says yes, and then they just keep talking before Dylan says yes. Yeah, it was very, like, 1950s permission housewifey thing. Yeah. Now, I... Not a huge fan of how they were just, like, talking over Kelly, and she was just, like, kind of sitting there, like, set dressing, like, yeah, I'm going to wait till you guys are done because I'm going to go do it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel bad but, that like, I didn't even, like, write down a quote from that. I should have, but I just – I think I was mostly just annoyed with it. Like, why – like, A, this could have been a phone call, but, yeah. Yeah, and I think – you know, it's the same thing. I didn't write anything about that scene. I guess the whole point of it was to show that, you know, Brandon and Dylan are still being pretty competitive, but they're pretending that they're still friends. Like they're, they haven't fully acknowledged that they're not being friendly to each other. Yeah. It was like when, and now it's kind of like jogging my memory. It's like Brandon even uses the word bro. Like, toward dylan like he's like you know bro if it's uh if this isn't cool with you like i totally get it like i think he but you could tell the tone was very like passive aggressive like he was trying to say bro to give the illusion that they're still best buds when in reality it's like hey man like look just tell me if it's fine or not like i i, I need to go like i don't need this like i don't need you like whatever you know what i mean like it felt very charged like a charged situation oh, yeah yeah I mean like I remember the words that they said I don't remember how they said them but I do remember at one point Dylan being like yeah you can borrow her but like don't bring her back damaged or something and it was like that's gross and possessive and like there there's something going on between Dylan and Brandon mm -hmm. like that is what's making them say that I'm convinced right right because, like, Dylan, I don't think would have ever said that in the past. Like, they – he and Kelly have had comments about how they can have, like, you know, not um, – like, they're not codependent on each other. Mm -hmm. They can have their own lives. They can go do their own thing. They're, they're fine. They can go hang out with other people. Right, right. So, yeah, like, I don't think Dylan would have said that if it wasn't Brandon. I don't think Brandon would have said it if it was Dylan. If it Agreed. wasn't Dylan. Agreed. But then, meanwhile, another quick little shot of Steve. He's moved into Andrea's dorm, and he's on the phone with Munts, which made me really happy. But he's being super gross, and Munts left him a Playboy magazine, and now it's just like, go to page 45. Like, it's so gross. <laughs> but then one of my new favorite people comes in, Kathy the RA, mm -hmm. who is just like, look, I'm letting this all happen because if Andrea, like, truly moves out, she loses her dorm and she really wants this and, like, I want this for her. And Steve makes some comment that, like, oh, I'm not looking at a Playboy. I'm working at my computer. And then Kathy is basically just like, as a computer science major, I can tell you, it helps to have the computer on. <laughs> yeah, she just completely owns him twice because she says that 
and then like learns that Ke- uh, Steve is in Keg, and so she's like, "Oh yeah, in my dumber days, I dated Keg brothers." <laughs> right? Like, I love her. I want more of her. She's fun. But anyway, that was the only thing with Steve. And then we have to go back to Brandon because presumably right after Dylan's house, he goes over to Lucinda's where she's like, you can't show up unannounced. I might have had somebody here. And his response is like, you shouldn't be wearing my shirt then. I love the idea that this show is just like, or even Brandon, I guess, like, it's it's clearly a joke, but I love the idea that, like, someone could come in and be like, isn't that Brandon Walsh's shirt? <laughs> Brandon Walsh on the task force? Well, and I was thinking, too, like, does he have his name ironed into, like, the tags of all the shirts? <laughs> oh, my God. Cindy puts BW in the back of all their clothes. She would. She totally would. And it would be, like, really good. She has, like, gotten it down. Her bees are even curvy rather than just, like, jagged lines. Totally. But, yeah, he he shows up. Um, I don't remember what she's working on on her computer. I just noted that Brandon was making typing noises on it. I was like, why are you typing on her computer while she's working on something? He's like, ooh, a computer type, type B O O B S. Like, <laughs> like he's, he's totally like, being a five year old about it. He just like goes into the middle of her paper and just like starts typing his own name. Like, I know how to type the words Brandon and Walsh. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and now I will say this is the one. Yeah, so so this is the part where Lucinda was, like, revising her proposal for Dylan so that she could gather all the information so that he could review um, the proposal or, or what, whatever it was. And Brandon's yeah. all snippy because she even mentioned Dylan. And she comments on his tone and basically says it sounds like that there are more competitors than friends. Yeah, because I, I wrote this down where she says, I thought you guys were friends. And he goes, we are friends. And she says, sounds more like competitors. Yeah, like, Lucinda's saying what we're all thinking. Exactly. And it's finally, like, being pointed out. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm going to be honest, that's all I wrote about that scene. I truly mm-hmm. don't remember if anything else happens. Is that was all I wrote, too. Lucinda- is Lucinda trying to plant in Brandon's brain that Dylan is his competition for her? I mean, I buy it. Like, she's just fucking with him so much. I almost feel bad. No, she is like, it's, this is the same thing we've, you know, said last episode that we are going to make her like a season arcing villain who's playing the long game. Like, it's right in front of us. It's there. She's our big bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now I love Lucinda. <laughs> I mean, I really I like her origin story, too. Like, yeah. 
she's human. She like that's the thing. She's not like a super villain that has no like human qualities. She's extremely likable. Look at Kelly. Look at Donna, who's skeptical but is still taking the class. Look at Brenda, who's like kind of like middle of the road with her. Like she's extremely likable. She's yeah evil in the sense that she's using Brandon, but like she's so entertaining. She's stirring the pot. No, if it if it didn't have to include the super gross scenes where she's tying Brandon's shoes, hundred <laughs> percent in on this. Yeah. Like they lose me on some of that stuff. But like even then, if I found out that she was the villain and she was just using Brandon for all of this stuff, like her tying his shoes while staring lustily into his eyes would make so much more sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we're confusing lustiness with menacingness. Calculation. Like, yeah. Like, like being real You're sly. right where I want you, little guy I'm going <laughs> to pierce with my fangs or something. <laughs> and you know what? Okay. No, this works because when she was still with Professor Randall, she was really aggressive to him. And, like, she was really pushing things. He was pushing away this and this and this. And then he started being the one coming onto her and she's doing like very subservient things of like he's coming to her and she's just like accepting it. And then she's tying his shoes. She's literally like putting herself below him physically. Like she knows what she she's playing, doing. She is playing 4D chess and the rest of <laughs> us are playing like checkers. Not even checkers. We haven't the even gotten the next four. Yes. Oh my god, I love it. I love it. Yeah, now I love it. Now I love it. <laughs> I'm like I'm excited and nervous for the rest of this show to play out because like I need this to be real. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Like I feel good about it though. This is like because it's so not far-fetched. It's so easily like you can easily write a story about this and they've been it would be different if they weren't planting seeds, but they are. Right? Yeah. Like, this is not us, you know, <laughs> saying that Brandon is a space fascist or that, you know, the girls are going to three women and a baby, Andrea's kid. Like, this could be real. Could be real. Man, I love it. <laughs> but then, yeah, like, with Lucinda's pushing, basically the next thing we see is Brandon going to the lunch with Kelly and I love her. I love that she's so excited to go because the Chancellor is a Nobel Prize winner. Yeah. Like, I love Kelly. She's the best. I still say she's the best character on the show. I don't care. Well, maybe I've said Donna's the best character. I don't care. <laughs> Kelly's great. Donna's great. They're both great. But, yeah, Kelly's probably just the easiest to – she's probably the most likable. I mean, Donna is too, but, like, I almost feel like Donna is a little too angelic, you know, like almost a little too hard to believe that there's somebody out there that pure. But then Kelly is almost like, okay, this is a real human being. This is the friend that I made in middle school and I've been friends with since, you know, like this is the person that I knew in college. Like this is blah, blah, blah. So totally agree. I love Kelly. And like, I just love it. Like, She's a hit at lunch. Like, she has been – I think Brandon tells her that she's been, like, 
hogging the chancellor mm-hmm. or something. Like he does some like tiny little neg because he's always got to be Brandon. But like she just hits it off with this chancellor and they're talking about like gifts to buy his teenage daughter, I think it was, or Madonna. And like she can actually have a conversation about Madonna other than just like, oh, I really like her. Right. Exactly. And like even um, the dean, for some reason, comes up to Brandon and A, is still obsessed with Brandon having or not having a girlfriend or a date or whatever. But he even notices how Kelly has kind of like charmed the chancellor and it just makes Brandon stronger to meet the president or whatever. (laughs) I don't understand this whole like you have to be paired up like for some reason the idea that a single person could be on the task force is just like unacceptable to them and it's Mm -hmm. so weird to me yeah it really is but but yeah they like have this amazing lunch kelly's super you know charming with the chancellor the dean is still all over brandon and when they leave like he tells her that she's terrific and she says they make a good team together and then Because, again, everyone thinks that he's single. She's like, whoever said all the good ones are taken is wrong. You're the best catch on campus. Which – And, like, who are you dating? Right? Well, and so, like, now they're starting to, like, drop those hints. Mm -hmm. Like, you see it again at the very end of the episode. Mm -hmm. But you can see they're just, like, sprinkling it in there. Like, hey, remember, like – season one homecoming or whatever where kelly tried to get with brandon like Mm -hmm. that's still there below the surface don't forget it's like yeah because back then he basically called kelly a sister and so it's like oh get him in a date like situation and now suddenly the veil is being slowly lifted and brandon is gonna realize that she's not just my sister la 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 Right? Like, no, it's very interesting, like, if slash when that happens, like, it it feels like Kelly knows how to play the long game. Yeah. Like, they made all these comments about how she went for Dylan and then he dated Brenda for, like, essentially two and a half years before Kelly finally got him. Exactly. Now it'll be, like, two and a half years since Brenda. I think it was prom. I don't think it was homecoming. But, like, Kelly can play the long game. Yeah, and I feel like Kelly is a serial monogamous. Like, I mean, I know she dated Jake and she dated Steve once upon a time, and now she's been with Dylan. So it's not like she's just, like, date, 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 date. She's very relationship-focused. So I think, yeah, she's definitely got that mindset of, if I'm going to date you, I'm going to date you. Yeah, like, I think there's definitely a lot of, like, I want you, and I'm, you know, willing to wait, but I'm going to get you, and, like, you're going to date. It's not just that, like, you know, it's not like she just slept with Dylan while Brenda was gone. Like, they've been together this entire season. Yep, exactly. And last season, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Did they get together at the beginning of season three? I think so, I yeah. Think so. Oh my gosh, it's been so Time means nothing when these seasons <laughs> are 30 episodes long. It's true. 
It's true. And, um, I mean, I guess that's really it with Brandon. Like, I know we've been talking about Dylan and Kelly, and there is still one more scene with them, but I'd rather talk about that when we get to yeah. Brenda. Agreed. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we missed in this little all. story. That was all I had. Um, so yeah, I guess, do we want to talk about Brenda and Stuart? Car Walsh. Oof, R.I.P. I know, I'm so, <laughs> I have opinions on them even bringing Stuart back. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to just preface, I'm mad about all of this. Stuart takes Brenda to Palm Springs for the weekend. He has a meeting with his dad to present a new project idea, except before that, he wants to do some romantic camping in the desert. Stuart stops the car in the middle of nowhere, and he and Brenda look at the landscape. Brenda gets cold and grabs her sweater out of the car, locking the door behind her. But oops, Stuart left the keys in the ignition, and now they're stranded in the desert with no one around. Stuart freaks the fuck out, but Brenda knows what to do. She finds a strange man in a chicken truck to give her a free <laughs> ride 30 miles in a direction. Brenda tries to look on the bright side, but Stuart cannot and just gets more and more annoyed. After a night in a crappy motel, they go back to the car to find it destroyed. Stuart has missed his important meeting with his dad. His dad is a dick about it, of course. Brenda tells Stuart he's an idiot and that it's his dad's fault and also fuck you goodbye. She throws the ring she's still been wearing all of this time in the pool. She tries to get Brandon and Kelly to give her a ride home, but they're both busy being at a fancy task force event. Dylan comes to pick her up, and Brenda's like, I still love you, but I'm glad we're still friends. And Dylan's like, yeah, so glad. <laughs> like, why? Why would you bring Stuart back just to do this to us? They had to give us closure, man, and... I hate it. You could have had. I, I had all the closure I needed. <laughs> right? They said no. They decided not to get married. They're like, I still care for you. Move on. Never talk to each other again. I just kind of missed him. <laughs> I mean, I did too. And I remember last episode, we were like, yay, Stuart. And then now we're just like, mother effing Stuart. Yeah. Like, I hate to bring it up again, but. Jane the Virgin, like, Michael could have gotten out. It's true. He had an out. They could have been like, we love each other, but it'll never work. But it's a drama, and so they <laughs> have to bring these people back in and, like, burn it to the ground. Oh, yeah. They have to make sure that it's, like, dead, dead. I will like, never forgive them for what they did to Stuart. I'm sorry. <laughs> it makes, like... He was, like, showering her with gifts. They were so happy in love. It was, like, this whirlwind romance. And then he bails for 10 weeks to go to South America where, again, long-distance calling exists. Mm -hmm. And the boy is rich. True. He could have done it. He could have done it, but he doesn't. And then he gets back, and they're, like, super romantic again. Like, when he comes to pick her up the morning they're supposed to leave for Palm Beach and he pretends to be a vacuum cleaner salesman and she like goes along with it and she's like oh come in and show me 
They're and... little bits, man. They're chemistry, though. And then he says that he's going to wait on campus all day for her so that she can go to class and they can leave afterwards. Adorbs. Yeah, and then, like, even apparently, like, Jim has just... I don't know. I have no words for it because all I can think of is the last time where he didn't give Brenda her messages. Well, and two, like, you we like Jim has Jim forgotten that this is the boy that like I don't know like Brenda was gonna get married after knowing each other for four weeks. Like he was so critical of Dylan their entire their entire like two and a half year relationship, but yet he's totally fine with Stuart Carson four week marriage boy. Well, and he's, like, kind of good with Dylan now. I feel like Jim just, like, he needs to see Brenda almost burn it to the ground, and then he's cool. He's like, you guys have seen what goes on in this life. Like, you know what your future with Brenda will look like. I think we're good now. Because, like, he makes a joke. He's like, oh, if you decide to get married, call us. And Brenda's like, oh, now how fun would, how much fun would that be? (laughs) Yeah, it's like a complete 180 to Every other time we've seen Jim and a Brenda date. Exactly. That's how you know it's, like, over (laughs) when Jim accepts it. Well, and then, like, he's been talking to Lawrence Carson and, like, talking Stuart up and they've been working on some presentation or something. Like, this is very, like, when Rick fell in love with Jim and you could see it in Brenda's eyes that she had moved on. Yep. Totally. But, like, yeah, they, they, she goes to class, they get in the car, and Stuart springs camping on her, which I feel like you just shouldn't do. Yeah, there's just so much preparation needed, so many, like, things that you need that you don't need in a normal vacation. Like, it's just a bad idea. And plus, what if she didn't like camping? Like, some people legit don't like camping. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think it is a little romantic if he, like, had everything truly planned right. out. But the way that this all falls apart so fast, it kind of sounds like he really didn't. Yeah, it was just a total spur-of-the-moment thing is what it felt like. Yeah, because, okay, first of all, when they get out and they look at the sunset and Brenda locks the keys in the car and he starts getting all snippy with her, who locked his door first? Right. That, like, this who is 1994. Who Exactly. Like, the, like, like I was going to say, this is 1994. Power locks, I don't know if they were a true thing. Like, you even see Brenda, like, pushes down her her lock. And, like, he makes a comment. He yells at her for locking her door. Like, who's going to rob the car in the middle of the desert? And then it gets completely chopped. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Stuart. That's why she should have locked her door. That's why you lock your doors, Stuart. Honestly, like, I I thought it was hilarious that the car gets completely stripped. But, like, realistically, the keys are in the car. They would have taken the car with them, right? Like, yeah. Like, you don't go to the desert and then take out all of the, the seats and all of the wheels and the door. Like, no, you take it with you. And then, know. oh, my gosh, like. I'm just mad because then like they start walking and she finds someone to give her a ride and he's going to let her get in the car with some random man in the middle of the night in the middle of the desert. (laughs) And the next destination or the nearest destination is 30 miles away. 
Like, murder. <laughs> Literally. This is how so many murders start. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no, I have to stay with my car. Like, I'm sorry. Where's the steward we saw at the beginning of this episode? It's true. And then. And then. <laughs> I'm just letting you go on. <laughs> I can't stop. I, like, find the next part of my notes that says Stuart, and I'm just like, oh, I was mad about that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they get to the roadside motel, and Brenda's like, I mean, this really sucks, but, like, this is going to be such a fun story to tell our kids when we're older. She's also already made the comment that they should just break the window and get the keys and be done with it, and he's all pissy about it, and, like, bro, just get over yourself. Right. Break the window. Like, you have money to fix it. Just break it. Exactly. What would you rather have? A broken window or a stripped car? Mm-hmm. You salvage the weekend if you break the window. But they get to this roadside motel, and Brenda's trying so hard to save the weekend. And they're at a motel, and Stuart is just like, well, you know, I'm allergic to cats. There better not have ever been any cats in this room ever. I will know. Do you – I'm sniffing. Can you tell? Like, he's just so mad at her. He's mad about everything. He hates everything. He hates that he even did – like, it's, it's so clear that his pride is so defeated at this point, and he's just like – He's even just mad at Brenda for existing. Like, it would almost be better if he was just by himself. Yeah. I mean, he even sleeps in the chair. He mm -hmm. just, like, grabs a blanket, sits down, and is just like, I'm just going to sleep. We're going to deal with this tomorrow. And then just, like, turns his head away. Yep. Like, okay, weekend 100% ruined. Like, what do you, did you think was going to happen when you get to the resort tomorrow? Right. That she's just going to be over – Brenda, of all people, <laughs> is not going to let this go. Very, very true. Yeah. Because then the next morning, like, they go back to the where they were in the desert. And, yeah, his Range Rover is completely torn apart. So somehow they get back to the Carson or the resort or whatever and run into Lawrence Carson. And actually, Brenda tries to, like, take up for Stuart a little bit. She's still, after all this, trying to, like, make the best of a bad situation. But then it's like... She's done. She's over it. She calls Stuart an idiot like twice <laughs> and then throws the ring in the pool. I I loved the little uh, sound effect of the bloom. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was perfect. so great. It was perfect. Because, yeah, like they get there and Lawrence is just like, well, you should have called. Nothing would have gotten in the way of me getting to a meeting and blah, 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 blah. And like, again, Stuart has access to a phone, could have done the bare minimum of making a phone call and didn't do it. But this time, he throws Brenda under the bus for it. Yeah. He's like, well, it's Brenda's fault because she got cold and went to get her sweater and locked the car. The car. And I love that Lawrence is just like, you couldn't have been a gentleman and gotten her sweater for her. Yeah, it's like. Stuart is just getting owned by everything, and it's amazing. Because as much as I missed him, he is a big oaf. That's the thing. I was so happy to see him, and now Lawrence is being a, you know, rude asshole to him. And I'm just like, no. I mean, at this point, Stuart deserves it. Yeah, like, he's not wrong. He's mean, but he's not wrong. Yeah, and then, so she throws the ring. It plops in the water. And then Stuart goes to go after her, and Lawrence stops him and is just like, you're not going to get that? 
And like, to be fair, we we don't see Stuart go to get it, but then we never see Stuart again. Right. So bye-bye, Stuart. Like, I, I assume that means we're like done-done with the Carsons. We have to be. There's absolutely no way. Because, I mean, especially since, you know, fate mm-hmm. kind of steps in so that Brenda has to call Dylan. You know, he comes to pick her up. And then she makes these comments that, like, I can't be with anybody else because I'm still in love with you. Part of me is like, but he cheated on you with your best friend. Right. Like, there's some stuff that's still not great. Like, it's it's one thing for Dylan to be a good friend and to still come to her aid because I'm sure he does still feel shitty about the fact that he cheated on uh, her with her best friend. But, like, he's still going to be a good dude to her because he just is a good dude. They reminisce over the their trip to Baja when she forgot her passport, like, all this. But, yeah, from Brenda's perspective, I guess I can see her kind of leaning back into this whole Dylan thing because she sees these failed relationships and these failed attempts and, like, the only, like, true love she ever had was Dylan. But then it's, yeah, you got to have that creeping in the back of your mind, like, oh, wait, he cheated on me. And it wasn't good. Right? Yeah. Like, it still ended for a reason. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you do need an outside party to remind you. But, like, truthfully, showing up at the beach apartment and seeing Kelly there and Dylan going straight for Kelly and then especially seeing Dylan and Kelly fighting once he gets there because she essentially accuses him of, like, wanting her to move back into the beach apartment so that he can start bringing Brenda back to his place. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, he cheated on someone with her, so why wouldn't she be worried he'd cheat on her with someone else? Right. If you have the propensity to cheat once, you likely will have it again. But, like, all that to say, like, Brenda should have walked in the door, saw that, and been like, I remember now. <laughs> yeah. I remember what fell apart here. Yep. This love triangle has reared its lovely head again. And I'm I'm over it. I don't want that. Uh, but yeah, they they kind of like dropped all those hints there because even Dylan tries to like kiss Kelly and Kelly like immediately turns away. Yeah, and then like he's really pissy, and he turns to Brandon and says, "If you ever need to borrow her again, feel free." And then you see this like really long glance between Kelly and Brandon. Like, yep. It was really long. It was prolonged eye contact and, like, it made me uncomfortable. This episode was all about planting for the next nine episodes. <laughs> right? Like, they're just, they're, they're planting their little seeds. Mm-hmm. And I could see it. I'm starting to pick up on it. I'm starting to learn. Yep. But, uh... R.I.P. Car Walsh. Bye-bye, Car Walsh. The ship has sunk. I'm so sad. I'm so mad they did Stuart so wrong. They did him dirty. All right, Mary. What happened to David this week? David wants to rent a piano. His therapist says that playing music will help him keep his hands busy so he won't do drugs anymore. Donna is moving back home, but Kelly hasn't made up her mind about that just yet. Until David asks her to meet him at the piano store, where a very interested Boomy the Microphone listens to him play. 
David tells Kelly he's thankful for her support throughout his drug problem and wants her to come back home. Also, they're having a party to welcome Donna back to the beach house and there are kebabs. I missed the boom mic. I did too. It was for like a literal five seconds. He just like swooped right in there and it was beautiful. Oh my God. I have to go back and look. I I totally missed him. I did too. I missed him. His like, okay, to, to, you know, back up a little bit before the piano store, I guess Donna has like moved back into the beach apartment and she's there with David, but she's like clearly still really nervous around him. Like she doesn't know how his sobriety is going. They've still like really not dealt with their breakup and like the ongoing romantic and sexual tension between the two of them. Yep. And through the whole thing, all I could think about was the fact that she was cutting the cookie dough on the cookie sheet, which will ruin the knife and the nonstick cookie sheet. <laughs> yeah, I know. She must be real nervous. She's just – she doesn't know what what's up and what's down. She just doesn't know. Exactly. I was like, she is exuding this, like, stress. I am – I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just it just keeps going because, yeah, David says he needs to, you know, pick up hobbies. He needs something to do with his hands. And Donna's immediately just, like, hands. Yeah, she's on, like, high alert, like, about every potential innuendo because, yeah, know, wouldn't she be? Yeah, like, he's going to drop the drugs and immediately go back to yelling at her for being a virgin. Yep. But David's like, trying to, like, just, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, like, they do have a sweet little moment where he's like, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm thinking about getting a piano. I really want to like, I still want to be passionate about music. And then he tells her that the apartment was really lonely without her. And I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. He's like clearly trying to like, you know, show some sincerity here and he does a good job. I mean, I, I just hope we kind of like get rid of the mood swings because those were a lot to handle obviously I know like a lot of it was because of the drugs he was on but I still feel like there even before he started taking drugs during the whole big bad sex issue he was like extremely moody and rude so I'm hoping we're turning a corner there yeah I mean if you think about it David has had a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. in his life oh definitely With Scott, with his parents' divorce, with Mel and Jackie's divorce, with losing baby Aaron, with the drugs, with this big breakup who, like, you know, arguably Donna is his only girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's in therapy now, and I'm really excited about that, and I see great things for David in the future. Yeah, I hope so. Because, I mean, he even essentially is making amends. Like, he calls Kelly to the piano store, which is like very neutral ground for the two of them so that he can apologize and to say that he appreciates her and everything that she does for him and that he wants her to move back in and that like he insists, like I'm doing all this for me and for my sobriety and for my growth and not for Donna. Yeah. And and weird fun fact, it seems like he was actually playing the piano at times. Like, because whenever music is played in in um, shows and stuff, I kind of watch, like, because you can absolutely tell when someone's not playing the piano or an instrument. And, uh, yeah, it actually seemed like for 
maybe not all of the scene, but most of it, he was like legit playing. And I'm like, hey, Brian Austin Green, look at you multitasking, talking and playing the piano at the same time. Good job, bag. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty impressive. No, I I was trying to figure that out. I was like, I think he is, but I can't totally tell. Mm -hmm. I also got really distracted with the fact that he was at a baby grand. And then I just like got really stuck to be like, how are they going to get a baby grand piano into the beach apartment? And how are they going to afford it? David has no more drug money. Yeah, but their rent is only $470 for the three of them. That's true. That's true. Um, and then we don't see David again until the very end of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, rechristening the beach apartment, and he invited everybody over. They have sparkling cider. He made kebabs, and then he makes a comment that each piece represents somebody in the friend group, and then they didn't explain <laughs> who everyone was. <laughs> I guarantee you, if this show was on now, BuzzFeed would have made a quiz. <laughs> Like, so I just thought of this. They didn't know Brenda was coming, so I bet she's not represented on the kebab. Aww. <laughs> Poor Brenda. Yeah. I mean, the only one we know for sure is that Donna is the tomato, which, perfect. <laughs> so perfect for her. She's both a fruit and a vegetable. <laughs> and she has that cute tomato dress. Yep. I really wish she'd been wearing the tomato dress and just been like, what piece am I? <laughs> like, so cute. I can't think of what you would actually have been able to cut out of this episode. But I really wish we just had like five minutes of kebab talk. <laughs> it's like I really David need at to the know grill. who everyone is. <laughs> oh, I know. David at the grill, He's like, just explaining to people, okay, now this <laughs> this part is Kelly because blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah. So, like, yeah, so Donna is the tomato. Steve claims that he's the beef because, of course, he is. Of course. And then I couldn't totally figure out what the other vegetables were, but I did see there was zucchini. Who's the zucchini? Andrea Zuckerman. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> Okay, I like it. I feel I just, like I <laughs> what what else even goes on a kebab? Maybe an onion? We were talking about an onion. Bell peppers, pineapple, mm. chicken, Ooh. maybe. Ooh, he did like a three meat kebab and so there's beef, chicken, and shrimp. So shrimp is Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> I, I mean, laughed so hard I unplugged my headphones. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Dylan's the onion. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so we need we need a Kelly. We need a David. I feel like Kelly is actually the skewer. Because she holds, holds everything together. together. <laughs> yep. Okay. No, I, I like that. Okay. I mean, think about it. She dated Steve. She's best with, friends with Brand. Blah. She's best friends. My God. <laughs> <laughs> she is best friends with Brenda, whose brother is Brandon. She is supporting Andrea through her pregnancy. She's half sister or half sibling or no step sibling to David, who's dating Donna and Donna. You know, Donna's her best friend. But think about it. It's like the the she's like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's six degrees of Kelly Taylor. Oh yeah, I think if Kelly was not on this show, at least some of these friendships would fall apart. Yep. Mm-hmm. So okay. What's Dylan? Dylan. Yes. Who am I missing? I swear. David. Chicken? <laughs> <laughs> we have that or like a bell pepper. I think he I fits know. more chicken. Because mm-hmm. th- think about it. He's so skinny. So he's like yeah, the leanest of the meat. He's meat. <laughs> yeah. Aw. Little baby David. No, I I foresee good things happening. And he, not only did he make kebabs, Brandon didn't complain about the food. Ooh, that's true. That's how you know you did something right, David. Yeah. So yeah, I mean everyone gets together. Uh, Donna and David play something on the piano, and I love that she's like, "I only know one song," and David's like, "Well, it's a ditty." Oh, God. I don't know why, but I hate that word. Oh, I thought it was so funny. (laughs) So I was like, please play heart and soul. And then they played not, but very similar to heart and soul. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it didn't say what it was in the subtitles. And I was like, but what is the song? Yeah, it's like off-brand heart and soul. It was like it started out that way and then just veered. (laughs) Yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah. And that's it. The gang all got together. Thank God. And, I mean, we do love a gang all together scene, so. So it ended on a good note. I like this episode. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this was a really good one. I think so, too. Um, okay. For a quote of the week, um, I think I'm going to go, let me find it. Kelly Taylor, sex is a power that women shouldn't be afraid of. Fair quote. Fair quote. That is not my quote of the week. But it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write down the whole thing, but my guess was, um, oh God, what's his name? I lost it. Stuart. R- reporter. Richland. Dutch. <laughs> Richland being like... Um, it's his mission to prove Brandon isn't the original boy wonder or whatever. Mm. Just anytime, anytime they reference it, I'm just like, yes, thank you. <laughs> I mean, true. But that is not my quote of the week. My quote of the week is, ladies and gentlemen, the lovely exchange between Jim Walsh and Brenda Walsh when he says, if you could decide to get married, call us. And Brenda says, oh, no, how much fun would that be? 
That was my second guess. <laughs> but like, strong feminist Kelly. No, that's fair. I mean, there's it, it changes on what direction I go. Do I go funny? Do I go serious? Do I go important? Do I go just off the wall? You know, I mean, last time it was about the nasty little tart from Steve. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm all over the place. Oh, well, I can't wait to see what it'll be next week when we watch the episode. We've got season four, episode 22, Change Partners. Guys, I think what's hap- what we talked about, that's a good title for what we were talking about. I'm right? not, even, I'm not no. even reading the synopsis. It's too small on this computer. Oh, my God. No, did I just I... say words were too small on a screen for me? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's happening. We're getting older. No. To be fair, I feel like your screen is a reasonable distance from your face. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so you. It's it's not your eyes' fault. <laughs> yeah. It's it's measurements. <laughs> I'm in a new setup, guys. I can't quite get the reach I need. Side note, um that Lincoln Logs quote that I did was from Gilmore Girls. I knew it. Of course it was. Of course it was. It's when Luke tells Kirk, well, Kirk, I've given you the Lincoln Logs. You have to build the cabin. Love it. Oh, I love Kirk. I know. Nate said that Kirk is his favorite character. (laughs) John has never seen, like, enough of a chunk of Gilmore Girls to say he's watched the show. But I watched A Year in the Life, and so he saw, I think it was in, like, the first episode, Winter, when Kirk starts Uber, mm-hmm. and John will still say it. He's like, should we call an Uber? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Of course. <laughs> hey, that's what kind of impression Gilmore Girls can make on people. Hey, I got him on Jane the Virgin. It's only, it's only a matter of time. It's a gateway. So this is barely relevant, but um, I've been on Tumblr lately, like, because Stardew Valley things, that's where all the fandom shit is, so that's where I go. Um, anyway, recently, somebody reblogged a thing that I posted, and I went to their blog to just look at them, and they post so much stuff about Gilmore Girls that I followed them instantly, yes. because it's just, like, them being, like, taking arguments that people say like in the fandom and being like here's why you're wrong and I'm just like holy <laughs> shit this is the content that I live for I was gonna say like that is the critical analysis that like I long for I mean we've talked an hour and a half about a show that's like 44 minutes long yeah so true yeah and you know you can tell us what you think about all of our critical analysis and that if you would reblog us on Tumblr if we had it <laughs> by following us on Twitter and Instagram at back to podcast or send us an email and I just had an idea if any of you are artists out there draw or paint or however you perform art perform whatever you know what to do if you're an artist. Um, do that thing and draw what you think or do the thing that you do and make Lucinda into a supervillain. And please send that to us because I would love to feature that and I think that would be hilarious. Please make the gang a kebab. 
Oh, yeah. And a kebab. We can make a whole series. It's a whole series, guys. Just send that to us in an email, and we'll make sure to give you the right credit. And you can do that at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and share, subscribe, follow, rate, review, all those fun things. Um, We love those five stars, all of the reviews, like that kind of stuff really helps us get seen. It, you know, boosts us up on charts and like metrics and whatnot so that other people can join the discourse and tell us why Kelly is a stick or why Dylan is an onion or why Lucinda is the greatest evil of all time. (laughs) So please do that thing. Do that thing and we'll shout you out. Yeah. So from all of us at Back to Podcast... I'm a piano. I'm Stuart. I am a long con performed by a jilted professor's ex-wife. Bye. Bye. (laughs) See ya.